There's something outside. What is that? This is Julie Wrench with another episode of On the Shoulders of Giants, Talking Old Timers with Thomas Steenberg. And we all know who Thomas Steenberg is, the one, the only. Welcome back to the show, Thomas. Thank you, my dear. Thank you. Feeling young at heart, at least. Well, that's good. That's a good start. (laughs) (laughs) So are you guys being affected by any fires up there right now? Oh, there's a lot of fires. I'm about to leave on a very long trip across the province, and I don't know. I keep hearing the Coquihalla's an iffy, so I don't know if I can get through or not, but we'll find out. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's that's not good. Boy, I tell no. you, it's been a heck of a year for it. You guys it's had that one year. town that was completely burned to the ground there. You went to Thomas? Oh, yes, and... Uh, that was caused by a train on an old wooden bridge, though. It wasn't a forest fire that came through. That was started right in town. Good Lord. Yeah. So, other than that, everything going all right up in Canada? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We got a whole bunch of more COVID restrictions again. Everyone seems to be in panic mode again. So, uh, what can you do? I know. Same Looking here. Looking forward to going to Alberta for a little while, which is the home turf of our guest tonight. Yes, and I'm excited to have our guest on tonight. And this is a person that Thomas said, hey, I know this guy that's an investigator uh, out of Alberta, and um, I'd love to get him on to get some of his views from the camp of people who are (laughs) (laughs) non-woo. The non-woo-woo crowd. Um, and get some people on from Canada that, you know, get your perspective on, on how things are going up that way. So without any further ado, we'll we'll have Cameron Young from Alberta, Canada, come on to the show. We welcome you, Cameron. Thank you very much. How are you guys doing? Doing good. We're Jackie. Now, Thomas, I know you said you were familiar with Cameron. How how did you um how did you know about Cameron? I don't remember. I think he contacted me once to ask a questions about an old report or something. I can't remember how we first met, got acquainted there, Cameron. We've never actually met face to face. No. Yet. Yeah. No, but I'm hoping that changes soon. Uh, yeah. Especially, uh, I'm hoping to get to uh, BC hopefully uh, next summer uh, and, and uh, go from there because I would like to meet Thomas. I've never met. Uh, one of the bigger key researchers in my life yet. So it'd be nice to actually meet one and exchange information and stuff. But uh, I believe mm-hmm. I met Thomas because he, cause he uh, you know, he, I, the first time I ever saw or heard of Thomas, I was watching a documentary. I think it was called Bigfoot's Reflection. And yeah. uh, then I saw him again on something else. And then I thought, oh, I'm going to track this guy down and see, you know, if he's approachable. And thank goodness he was. Uh, when he answered the phone, it, I didn't get some cranky old man or somebody that uh, I didn't watch. <laughs> uh, so, and then I'm like, oh, okay. So I asked if I can interview him. And uh, he was the first uh, interview that I really did with someone that was higher up in the search than, than I was or am. And, uh, yeah, just went from there and we started exchanging emails and and over time wow. I got less nervous to call him and 
you know, whatever's come up, I, you know, if something seemed off or something goes, hmm, I better phone Thomas about this than I will, instead of just, you know, running out there going, hey, look what I found, like, a, like you know, a crazy person, so, uh, which would ruin, I don't, I'm, I'm still young in this game, so I don't want to ruin my reputation, I still got a lot of years of the search left, hopefully, uh, hopefully not at the same time, uh, if I could... If I could get this done within 20 years or something like that, I think that'd be a world record. So, um, <laughs> but no, I met Thomas uh, basically through seeing him on TV. Sweet. Well, Cameron, how did you um, become interested in the, the the whole Sasquatch enigma? I'm always very curious to see uh, the inside of our guests. You know how far back it went, um, that sort of thing. So, so what triggered you to become interested in all of this well uh it was the fall of 1997 i was only seven years old and uh my uh, parents and i were having dinner and um i i don't know exactly how we got on the sasquatch topic uh or anything like that but all i remember is my dad was telling me about it because he lived for a short time in bc uh, in the Vernon area, which I'm sure Thomas knows exactly where that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he told me about this thing called Sasquatch. And I asked my dad, oh, what's mm. Sasquatch? He said, it's a First Nations, uh, you know, a creature that lives in B.C. It's tall and hairy or whatever. And he told me, well, you go to, when you go to school tomorrow, go ask the librarian if they got any books on it. So I did. And if they actually did, and I came home with a stack of them, <laughs> showing my dad or whatever. And then, uh, as the as the few weeks went on, and like I was only seven years old, I was not a young adult. Like I was legitimately just turned seven years old that summer, and I got into this. And then, uh, then I remember the first time I saw the Patterson film on TV. And it was weird how it all happened because my dad and I were talking about it. He said, yeah, there's a film of one that's a female and it's walking across the sandbar. It was in Northern California and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden we're watching a rerun of The Simpsons that night. And, well, what happens to pop up but this old, uh, I don't know if Thomas remembers it. I think I may have even sent it to him. This old Kodak video camera commercial came across the TV screen. My dad's going, oh, 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 there it is, there it is. But and we couldn't believe it that it was actually showing it after we were legitimately just talking about it. But it, it was it was kind of a joke spoof of it because it turned into some old caveman or whatever. It was a commercial about this new high definition video camera. <laughs> you know, like this is 1997. You know, the thing. Was, so it's kind of funny talking about it now, the technology back then. But that was the first time I had seen the Patterson film, and as soon as I saw that, I was hooked. I was like, oh, man, like it didn't scare me or anything like that. I was just like, oh, this is really interesting. And then uh, from then on, I started watching every documentary that I could. I rented just about every book in the library at my elementary school and all the way through the Edmonton Public Library system and then some. And then the first documentary that I really watched that really finally put the final hook in me was one called Sasquatch Odyssey. And it was about, uh, the, I call them, they're called the four horsemen of Sasquatch research. I tend mm-hmm. to call them the original four. And that's uh, Rene DeHinden, Peter Byrne, Dr. Grover Krantz, and, and John Green. I feel like I'm missing a name in there, but I don't think so. <laughs> but, um, and then I, you know, I followed them. You know, because I kind of came at the tail end of their careers. Uh, Thomas is very fortunate that he got to meet all these guys and talk to them. And unfortunately, I haven't. And I know Peter Byrne just turned 96 the other day, so I'm hoping to meet him before it's too late. But uh, um, I've been lucky enough to interview him, and that was that was a huge, that was an incredible experience. That was like I couldn't. I, I I'm sure I stuttered the whole interview it was I think I rewatched it and I was like oh this is pretty this is amateur hour but he it was really cool talking to him and because I'm like well I don't know if I'm ever going to meet this guy so at least I got a phone conversation with him and we we conversed back and forth like through email and stuff but he's a fairly busy guy so that's that's basically how I got started sorry that went on a little longer but that's basically long story short is how I got it all started it was basically because of my dad very cool. 
That's that's cool that yeah. your library had books on Sasquatch up there. Yeah. Oh well, it's. I was, you know, I mean, I just lived in a little Alberta. I, I mean, I lived east of uh, Edmonton, Alberta, in a place called, well, at least of a town called Sherwood Park. So I lived out in the acreage. Like, we didn't have mountains where we were. Like, we're, it was a, you know, like a prairie town. Like, it, it, we were far away from mountains or anything like that. So, um, but um, no, they did. And I actually have uh, the two. Uh, two out of the th- first three library books I ever rented uh, on the subject in my personal collection now, so it's kind of neat. Like you know, these are the two books that got me started to what I read now. So um, Thomas has got some uh, great books as well that I've read, and uh, and uh, I'm actually writing one myself, um, and uh, it's more about my experience and stuff all the way from when I was a kid up till now. So I hope to get that published someday. Wow. Darren, why don't well, you I think tell Thomas us. might have questions. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, Karen, why don't you tell Julie a bit about your first investigation on the Alberta side of the Rocky Mountains? Okay, well, <laughs> well, one of my first few, I, I don't know if you'd call it an investigation or or, or more of a checkup on the deal. I, I, I don't know if Thomas is talking about the one I'm currently dealing with or my very first one. Um, it, basically, I went down to the Bighorn Dam because uh, back in the in late uh, uh, August of 1969, uh, a total of five construction workers apparently saw a Sasquatch uh, on top of a ridge walking across uh, this ridge while they were doing construction on the Bighorn Dam. And I, I knew about it before, and it was actually in a copy of my hometown's paper, the Edmonton Journal, I believe it's August 30th of 1969, five days after the actual sighting occurred, according to my records. And I went down there just to, you know, I know it, it, you know, just to see for myself, because it's a pretty historic, uh, you know, sighting when it comes to Alberta. And uh, I know Thomas has been down there multiple times, so... I went down there, and at first I thought I got the spot wrong, and I'm walking around going, oh, did I get the wrong spot or whatever. But thankfully, I had a picture of uh, Thomas's uh, work that he did there along with John Green's, and I compared it, and I was like, oh, thank goodness. I got the right spot because that would have been ultimate embarrassment hour if I would have botched that or whatever, if I would have sent all these pictures to people. Hey, look, here I was here. I did all this stuff. And they would have went, that's the wrong spot. I would have just probably retired right there. <laughs> so, but um, there is some current stuff going on right now. Just a couple of days ago, I got uh, a message uh, from a gentleman. Um, I, I, I don't know if I'll say his name or not just because of the show or whatever, just for privacy reasons. But uh, he actually found uh, one of my posters that I put up at the Bighorn First Nations Reserve gas station, along with my business card. So he had contacted me two days ago, and he took some pictures of some tree breaks that he came across about a week ago and, and also found some hares. And it was it's great timing when he messaged me because some people that I know uh, from the Alberta Sasquatch organization are currently on a camp down there. And uh, I messaged... Uh, one of the guys that I know and said, Hey, this guy just contacted me. Here's some pictures of tree breaks and apparently he's found hair. And then I sent it to Thomas too. And, and, uh, and it, luckily the guys from the Alberta Sasquatch organization that are down there are actually going to meet with this guy on Sunday and he's agreed to send some hairs, uh, as well. And I know Daniel Perez is trying to contact him, uh, as well. So, Things have been kind of been cooking here in Alberta in the last two days. Some days, you know, it goes to nothing, and you're just checking on old reports and just, you know, doing other things, and all of a sudden somebody contacts you out of nowhere, and then it's like, okay, then it's time to go to work. So um, to me, I, I don't know what these hairs are. Um, they do, to me, look grayish in, in color. I, I kind of agree somewhat with Thomas. He thinks they might be moose, which could be possibility, but, I mean, at least the guy's coming forward and saying, hey, uh, you know, and he's willing to share his story. He's willing to talk to me. Um, mm. I've had people in the past, too, kind of reach out to me. I know about a month ago, this guy said, hey, I took this pit. My wife took this picture of this apparently a Sasquatch near Banff. 
while she was hiking one evening. But, you know, when you try and ask people questions and they don't really answer them or kind of drive around it, you kind of go, okay, something about red flag. But <laughs> this guy, he's answered all my questions. He's, he's, he, he lives on a First Nations reserve, apparently. So I'm gonna, I got an interview with him on Sunday afternoon at, uh, at 3. So um, I'm going to get him to go, take me all the way back to the first. Like he heard screams outside the, the reserve about two years ago. So I'll get him to talk about that and then his most recent thing and try and build up some sort of timeline uh, so we can figure out, okay, are these – but he – I, I mean, I got to give the guy credit. You know, he's not from now. He's not hiding anything. He's answering all my questions and messages and stuff. So, I got to give the guy a little bit of benefit of the doubt and, and say, okay, well, I'll talk to him and see where it goes. So that's the point where we're at now. So, um, I know the guys from the Alberta Sasquatch organization are meeting with him on Sunday, apparently. So, and he's going to give them some samples of the hair to get tested. So, and I know Daniel Perez wants to talk to him and get a little bit of sample too, because he wants to get it uh, looked at down in California. So, um, I mean, this guy could totally be pulling all our legs and, and, and doing a great job of it. But, you know, if it turns out to be something we can, you know, at least say, hey, this might be something, then great. Um, I, I don't, uh, I, I wish I could see the tree breaks for myself um, because the, the angle of the pictures look, you know, you can, you know, cameras can do weird things with angles and stuff. Cause I thought I've swallowed tree breaks too, but then I was talking to a different uh, researcher and uh, he said, uh, that's a bit too small to be Sasquatch. And I thought, oh, okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. So that's basically what's going on in Alberta right now in the last 48 hours. It's really more interesting, Cameron, when something is reported that just happened rather than when someone is trying to tell you about something that happened five or ten years before. Right, right, exactly. And, and according to his messages, which I have saved, I'm one of these guys that tries and saves everything because, you know, you can go back on record or whatever, like, you know, stuff, and uh, so you don't get caught mostly is why I do it and go, no, 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 no. They said this here, here, not here. That's mostly why I do it. And uh, he apparently found these tree breaks and hairs last week. And then he didn't know who to contact. And he just happened to be at this gas station filling up his vehicle and mm. he found my poster and business cards. So thank you. Cause wow. I, what I do when I go to these places to, you know, you know, the, one of the greatest, uh, you know, well, some of the greatest advice I got, and I think it might have been from Daniel Perez or, or somebody else, and Thomas may have even said something along the lines, don't don't go out just to go looking for Sasquatch, because if you got that on your mind, and you're, you're not going to find anything, and then you'll come home disappointed, kicking yourself, just go out and have a good time, and if you find something, you find something, or see something, you see something, and that's kind of what the, the thing, the, 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 the approach I take. Um, so when I'm at these places like, you know, Banff or Jasper, where my girlfriend and I are in town, I take flyers, I take business cards and just put them out there. And mostly every time I've never had anybody turn me down. I've never had a store person, uh, owner or whatever say, Oh no, do I don't want that in my window or no, that just brings weirdos or whatever. No, they've all taken it. Um, and they've worked. I did an ad in the paper, but I, I, that didn't really work. Um, one person did contact me. It was a team of girls, and they, I think they were kind of just jerking me around. So um, <laughs> I, I don't think I would. Do, I don't think I'd do the the newspaper ad again because you know with technology and stuff like that, people most some people don't get newspapers anymore. But I seem to be having really yeah. good luck with these posters that I put out in uh, Jasper and Banff and Nordig and and stuff, and people seem to be contacting me through that way. So that's what I'm going to keep doing it that way. So. And this witness is uh, fortunate enough, uh, what gives him a lot of credibility, he's willing to give the hairs to be tested. And it turns yeah. out that my theory of a moose is correct. Well, then good. At least we found out. But if they turn right. out to be unknown higher primate, then that's exciting. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, to me, uh, looking at it, I mean, it, it's probably going to be, you know, I don't want to have my hopes high that old you know this you know this could be at the end of the show right here and and uh you know it's okay it's found it's done but uh, looking at it to me I'm, I'm looking at them right now and 
I I would agree. It probably is some sort of moose or whatever, but you know, that's mostly me just trying not to have my hopes up high and then all of a sudden, oh, it turns out, you know, and then you're like, oh, oh right. Because no. <laughs> that's happened lots, lots of times. And, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, yeah, that's, I'm just looking at them now. I mean, it's, it, I don't know how big of a sample it is. It doesn't look very big, but I mean, when I talked to Daniel Perez uh, the other day, you know, I, I did ask the guy, I said, okay, how did you grab these hairs or whatever? But Daniel said not to worry because they have things now where they can clean them or whatever. And, you know, if he touched them with his hand, because I know, you know, he, what I would do to collect hairs, put the gloves on, grab them with the, the Ziploc bag, you know, so your hands, you know, don't get the human DNA on them. You know, that's just kind of, Hair collecting 101, at least in my books, but uh, you know, but Daniel Perez said not to worry. We they'll they'll be able to grab, you know, hopefully grab mm-hmm. something. So, yeah, well, they've improved it a great deal. In the past, that you used to have to have the root system connected, but mm-hmm. apparently that's not required anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, I'm rereading this guy's original message that he sent me, and uh, he he. Uh, found the the hairs and uh, the snap trees from the same areas he heard the howls. Mm-hmm. And when I asked him by message, when did these howls happen? Their screams, or what? He said two years ago. Mm-hmm. So he said, and 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 so I, I don't know whether he, you know, I'll find out when I talk to him on Sunday. I don't know if he was out, I, 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 you know, I don't know if he was out hunting or just out for a regular walk or whatever. And he happened to find them, and the pictures of the broken trees and hairs on them. I mean, it's pretty high-tech pictures of camera. It's not a, it's not a uh, little phone camera from the looks of it. And if it is, it's very good quality. So, um, I just would like to know the size of the actual broken trees. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. Look, looking at the one picture, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's broken off. It looks like exactly the halfway mark. Um, and it looks like a young spruce tree or some kind. Um, now, I, what I could have asked them, well, if you look down where the tree was broken, were there any footprints? But I, I didn't have, I didn't think of that at that time till now. So I'll interview them and, and uh, I'll be, you know, I, and then judge it from that. And, and then mm-hmm. I'll let the Alberta Sasquatch organization guys do their meeting with them and, if they if they get report back to me and say oh no this guy's just a whatever but he doesn't seem like it but you you just don't know I just give him the credit and the benefit of the doubt because he's willing to take these guys there to the site that he's willing to share the hair samples to get it tested and if he was just going oh no I'm not doing that or blah 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 then it's like oh, okay then it's probably nothing you know something to hide or whatever right so. Um, yeah, but that's that's basically what's been going on here in Alberta the last few days. Well, let me ask you this: this particular area where he found the hairs on these breaks—is there uh, documented reports or sightings in oh, that yes. area? Yeah. Oh goodness, yes. That's the hot spot I think for Alberta. It's okay. The now we're getting somewhere. That's, that's very interesting. Yeah, and because that Bighorn Reserve gas station. I think it's only about a few minutes drive from the Bighorn Dam where that famous sighting was in the 60s. So, and I believe Thomas actually has an interesting stat, and he can correct me if I'm wrong, which is something that happens most of the time. Um, uh, (laughs) Basically, from 1940s to about 1984 exactly, there were a lot of sightings in that area of Sasquatch of extreme height, anywhere from... 8 to 15 feet tall. And then all of a sudden, after 1984 or so, it stopped. The, the, not the sightings, but the extreme height sightings of these huge wow. giants. Thomas, I remember you telling me about that on a show we did. Um, gosh, I'm thinking maybe it was a year ago now. But I remember you telling me about this, about those yes. very tall mm-hmm. reports. Yes, between 1948 and 1984, within an 80-mile radius of Nordeg, there was a whole rash of what you call extreme height reports. What I mean by extreme is anywhere from 8 
to 15 feet tall. A lot of reports of 10, 11, 12 foot tall individuals. And during this time, there were normal height reports as well. But the interesting thing after 1984, at least as far as I know, the extreme height reports stopped, whereas normal height reports carried on. Hmm. Yeah. So it, I always, when I began uh, back in the late 70s, I always assumed that it was when someone reported an extreme height report like that, there was just excitement and, you know, they were overestimating. But it always struck me as odd that in Alberta, at least when I was there doing research, all the extreme height reports were in the same general vicinity. Mm. And yeah, even more, and, and stopped. Well, yeah. what you hear what you're saying, and like all the reports that I'm familiar with in my home state of North Carolina here, um, 8 to 10 feet tall is the standard as far as... I don't think there's ever been a report of uh, uh, an encounter of someone believing it to be any more than 10 at the very, you know, and that's, that's a rare. Most of them are around the 8-foot. So, you know, yeah, one witness, that's one interesting of, that you would have that particular area with yeah. those type of sightings um, by multiple people. Yeah, and uh, one one witness is a Ronald Gamel. Not too long after the Bighorn damage, it was driving just along the side of Abraham Lake near Windy Point, and he said he saw three individuals cross Highway 11 in front of his car. And he said every damn one of them was at least 12 feet tall. Good Lord! Mm-hmm. I was just going to mention that one, and because apparently they looked like down into his window, to, like as they were crossing the highway, like he, they had to look down. Like apparently mm. these things were just massive, and, and I got a kind of a theory, and I mean, not that I'm not, and I don't think it's too crazy, and, and Thomas can say if it is or not, because he would know. Uh, my theory is these giant Sasquatches are possibly a side species of taller, like, you know, you have your different, like, you know, we have different size of people, and I think these, because, you know, why would they just suddenly stop? Either, like Thomas says, people were over-exaggerating in, in, in excitement, and that's understandable, or they were a subspecies of Sasquatch that I've read in a book, I think it was by Lauren Coleman, and they were categorized as true giants. And I think it's possible that these were older species of Sasquatch that were taller, that were heavier, compared to the ones that are reported nowadays. And maybe there's not so many of those kinds left. And mm. we're just kind of left with, you know, the seven to, or, you know, the six to seven and a half feet tall ones. But I could totally be off my rocker. And, and, <laughs> but that's, that's kind of what I think is it's more of a, you know, because we have prehistoric men, right? And there were bigger people at one point, but there were also smaller people in some parts of the world. You know, a, yeah, a, a, a thirteen, a twelve to thirteen size Sasquatch had to be small at some point, but be, when they get older and mature, they grow to more uh, of more height and more strength. So I think possibly back then, it, those people were sighting a totally different type of species of Sasquatch. That's well, that's a opinion. possibility, or it could be just the Sasquatch is no more unique than we are, and we just happen to right. have a group of them that were in the tall height range that went about their business in, in that area and lived their lives, and when they, the last one passed away or moved on, they were just gone. Yeah, and that, that mm-hmm. probably makes more that makes more sense <laughs> than my theory, but uh, it's just something I recently thought about, and uh, I'm, I, you know, I'm not... I know uh, Dr. Grover Krantz, he was kind of always beating the drum of the, you know, Gigantopithecus black eye or mm-hmm. blackie or whatever. And, and I mean, I mean, I think everybody can have their own opinion on what these things, they think these things are. But to me, I, I've always gone back and forth. And at one point I thought, well, these things have got to be 50-50 right down the middle. It's got to be 50-50 in their DNA. It's got to be half ape, half man. But then I'm like, well, no. Because, I mean, I know there are some smart, I know chimpanzees can be fairly smart, I know gorillas can be fairly smart, but 
to have the survival skills of what Sasquatch has to not been found or captured by man, you've got to have some kind of powerful brain than, than just an ape's brain. So I think when the time comes, they'll probably have some sort of more human structure to them than, than ape. That's just my two cents on that. Mm-hmm. Well, and, something uh, I'm sitting here thinking about, too, is um, – the area where these um, the taller uh, species were reported and the witnesses saw, um, take that into perspective to, like, the one seen down in Florida. Now, the one seen in Florida, they call them swamp apes, and um, they're, they're not as tall in most cases as the ones here and even in North Carolina. So I think... Sometimes it would be more of an environmental um, Probably. reason you would have some that would be taller. I mean, I'm, I've never been to what you're talking about, but I'm assuming that it's probably got some very tall trees and very yes. um, yeah. ancient forests. It's rugged. It's rugged. Yeah, and, and then, you know, as as humans come in and they're uh, taking over lands and they're building their strip malls and all that stuff – there's their land shrinking up some perhaps they would um not need to be as big because they need to hide more right right and and you're kind of on a point that i was just going to say and and then i'll let thomas talk sorry the very first time that i was taken to this area like norday rocky mountain house norday abraham lake my jaw just dropped i could not believe how wild and rugged it was out there and I said to my girlfriend, I said, man, this is more rugged and wild and more squatchy than Jasper and Banff. And, and, wow. and it totally is because Jasper and Banff are very touristy towns. And, and Thomas, I'm sure, is, knows exactly what I'm talking about. So I think when there's a site, and, and I think, and I have another theory, I don't think they're around as much in Banff and Jasper because those areas have expanded so much and they become such tourist towns I think if they're around there, they're just passing through. They're not really mm. living around there. So I think, like, the Rocky Mountain House area in Nordic, those are small towns. Those aren't touristy towns. And it is a rough and wild area. And I'm like, okay, I said to my girlfriend, I said, if Sasquatch is in Alberta, this is where they are. My girlfriend and I traveled the entire, both sides of the David Thompson Highway and Highway Number I don't know, 90, the Icefield Parkway, which is like a highway between... Uh, Banff and Jasper, and you can go both sides of it. It'll take you to both towns, and we did both sides. And there is literally a point in in that highway, in my opinion, going either way where it goes to you know your touristy mountain towns to Sasquatch territory in, instantly. And it's a different feel. You get a different feeling in your gut. You get a different feeling in your mind. And it's like, oh, this is different. And and we also I did a. Uh, I did some uh, searching around at the Kootenai Plains uh, environmental area, and I actually was reading in a book or saw somewhere on YouTube that Rene DeHinden actually did some of his research in that exact area where I was, and so did John Green, because Rene DeHinden, before he went down to Bosberg to investigate the Cripplefoot tracks, was actually doing some work at the Bighorn Dam. Yeah, she. T- he took a job so he could stay there for a while and look into it, all because of the big old dam. Right, right. Yeah, he, the, him and Green only left the area yeah. when the Bosberg thing that's happened right. down in Washington. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So I'm yeah. like, that's cool that those guys actually did some work in Alberta in it, in it before they went on to, to BC. So that was really mm-hmm. cool. But anyway, yeah, that, that Nordig area, uh, Julie. If you ever come up to that area, it is amazing. It is rugged. It is wild. Sasquatch would have no problem hiding there. It's got shelter. It's got water, and it definitely has food. There's a lot of deer around there, and uh, and veggie or uh, you know berries and stuff like that. Whatever eats, I think it, uh, a small number of them can survive in there. No problem. No problem. Wow. And the Rocky Mountains of Alberta have the most brutal winters you could ever imagine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I yes, can believe definitely. that. 
that's why I'm thinking of moving to BC, you know, and I don't have to deal with the Alberta winters anymore because from what my girlfriend's telling me, they don't even have snow in BC. Well, we do, but when you get down to sea level, it's more rain. Yeah. 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 Like where we're thinking of moving is Port Moody, Coquitlam, or Port Coquitlam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you'll be uh, dealing with rain more often than snow. Hmm. That's uh, that's the one thing about the West Coast rainforest. It's called the rainforest for a reason. Because it's, <laughs> it's the only tropic, semi you get tropic, <laughs> better term, in Canada. Everywhere else is a deep freeze. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's so, terrible if you like to play hockey a lot in the wintertime, but it's great. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I'll, if I move to BC, Thomas, I'll have no problem finding a place to play hockey. That has never been an issue for me. So, so when I'm when I'm not doing Sasquatch stuff, I'm doing I'm doing hockey and football. So I'm I'm a true Canadian. When you know I'm hunting for Sasquatch, I'm playing hockey while eating Tim Hortons. So there we go. <laughs> but uh, no, it's definitely been a great hobby for me, and and, and I mean I. I'm, I, I'm glad I finally got back into it and finally decided to, you know, talk to these people, you know, like Thomas, like Peter Byrne, like Danny, because, you know, eventually one day Peter Byrne will be gone. And, and that's it for the original four. Like, this is a guy that's been researching this stuff, plus Yeti, since like 1954, 1956. He's seen it all. He's done it all. And you know, people can have his opinions about him and whatnot, and, you know, that's fine. And, I mean, I, Thomas, you've met him before, I, I would understand, right? Oh, yes. I mean, I knew them all. You know. Yeah. Thomas is very fortunate. He came in at the right time Ow. and got to know all these guys. Like, honestly, I'm jealous of him. Like, he got to meet – like, my the guy I look up to the most is Renate Hinden. I, I look up to him the most because I he's like me. You know, you know, you can take my opinion or leave it. You know, I'm not going to call you, you know, a jerk or anything like that. Like, he might have it near the end of his life. But I can see why he kind of got cranky near the end of his life. You know, if you're looking for something for 40, 50 years and you got to deal with people like, you know, people who think these things come out of portals and whatnot, well, I'd be cranky too, I think. So, you know, but, yeah, know, and that's very, very fortunate that he got to meet all these guys because, you know, I, I don't know if yeah. I had a chance to meet Peter Byrne because the border closing and all that because of COVID. So um, I hope I meet him, but at least I got an interview to talk to him. But, uh, no, Todd is very fortunate he got to meet all these guys. I know, and I'm jealous too. I'm, and that's one reason why I wanted to even begin doing this podcast with Thomas is to get everything that he, you know, was there for and witnessed and talked to everybody. Right. Get that on record because I, it's exactly. just exactly. Yeah. Have you ever heard Thomas do his? Yeah. Have you ever heard Thomas do his Renee DeHinden impression? <laughs> oh yes, and I don't think yeah. there's a soul on earth that could do it better. No. Oh, no, that's just. I, I deny all knowledge of any such thing. Yes. <laughs> right, Thomas. Get your rocks out of your head. <laughs> <laughs> that that's it right there, and uh, yeah, it, yeah, I tell no, you, with can't. all of the wacky stuff, and Thomas and I touch on this quite often, but um, all the wacky stuff that people are, oh my God, claiming, um, mm-hmm. it just keeps getting worse year after year. It, it really does. And, um, and I, sorry, sorry. Yeah, it, it, it really does. does and I, it, you know, I take a coming out of portals from, and stuff. Come on now. Yeah, you know, I I take a quote from Renee actually, and, and he, there's this. Um, I don't know if you ever seen it, Julie, but there's like this hour and a half lecture that somebody posted of his from like 1996, and Thomas knows exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, exactly. He's, he he's the, he was the referee that afternoon. It looks like, and uh, oh yeah, you know. What Renee said, you know, what gets worse day by damn day, it's the researchers <laughs> who are pushing their own little agenda. I don't know what the hell it is with some of these people, you know, like, but he, he's bang on. He's bang on. And, and it's yeah. just, I stay away from that. I just, I go with Thomas, stick with the facts, never deviate from the facts. Sasquatch yeah, one of the worst not- things that ever happened to this, Julie, great tool that it is, was the internet. Oh, God, I know. 
soapbox for every snake oil salesman out of here. And and the inmates running the asylum were bad enough before the internet. And fortunately, Randy, uh, unfortunately, Randy passed away in 2001 in September, so he really didn't see how insane it it got. Yeah, and, he's spinning in his grave with all this madness. I know he is. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Mm. They all would be. All the three of the four that did pass away all would be. I, I, they all would be. But Renee, I could just you know every time I hear about a portal or a Matthew Johnson thing, I could hear Renee. Just, oh yes, just thank you smoke, very much. Like a teapot coming out of his pipe. <laughs> <laughs> like I could just, I just hold my. I mean, and go, oh. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of people are like. They they were trying to explain a, a mystery or a phenomenon. Adding more mystery and phenomenon to it is not mm-hmm. a logical no. way to do things. Period. Well, a lot of these people who are that type of researcher, they're not researchers at all. They're just like religious leaders pushing a faith, and they like it the way it is. They're not looking for an answer. They like the merry-go-round, the endless going around chasing your tail because it fills some empty void in their lives. You're right, Thomas. It does, and it's almost – um, it reminds me of the um, Applewhite guy. And you remember when he, he all those people following him, and he said that the UFO was coming out of the comet, and uh, yeah – yeah. Well, look at what just recently happened with that Igor Bortsev thing. Like, my oh, goodness. Lord, like, that, no. I, that, I don't know how that guy. I mean, I, under my understanding, at this at one time, this guy was a legitimate researcher. I don't know how he got dragged into that. Someone, I mean, I'd feel kind of bad for him if somebody kind of just dragged him into it and used him just to whatever. We, but I saw that and I went We couldn't oh, understand in the late 90s while Randy had lost all confidence in the Russians. We do now. Yeah. Yeah, because... I never heard of that, but... Yeah, now Igor there. was the worst, but Dimitri and stuff, like I met Dimitri when he came here when we okay. went down to the conference in Willow Creek in 2003, and he was absolutely convinced that that Cotter Coy farm in Kentucky was legit. And I spent most mm-hmm. of my time on that trip asking him why he thought that way, and I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And I thought, well, now I know why Randy lost his patience with the Russians because they're losing their damn minds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know, Julia. You, did you see that, Julia, or hear about that? What that, how that did you? Because I don't know. It, 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 I, it, I hear it's it, it, like I saw the video and whatever, and I wasn't sure if you you've heard about it or seen it. Yeah, I'm familiar well, with it. How apparently he got how apparently he got Bigfoot on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and he yeah, wasn't well, was he speaking Russian? <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't understand. I mean that's that shit right there is way above my pay scale, so I don't even try yeah. to pretend I know. <laughs> no, I just I just saw that and, and I just shook my head and I'm like, Oh, we are at a new low. Because here's the problem. And this is why I continue to do this. Like I said, eventually these older Sasquatch researchers will be gone. And who is going to fill their shoes and take a serious look at this? Um, So I really feel that it is my duty to do this. And whether I ever see anything or see one or find one, I would honestly, if the the happiest thing in my research would be if I had a Patterson-like experience and got good footage of one, I would retire right then and there because I would be like, mm-hmm. okay, I don't, I don't need to shoot one. I, that's, you know, that's the big debate, right? Do you shoot it? And I, I said to somebody, I said, I would sure hate to be the guy that shoots one because, man, your life would just be turned upside down so fast. Because I yeah, remember seeing many ways, a documentary. Yeah. Roger Patterson, this is like burn or excuse me, Patterson told Renee that if anybody kills a Sasquatch, he figured that that person would be assassinated because it'd be such a huge story. And, and I mean, that's so big. You think about it. Some, if you turned on your TV one day and all of a sudden it legit happened, someone shot a Sasquatch, a legit Sasquatch, and it was over, 
that would be on your news. It would take over. Everybody would be like, what's COVID? That's how big of a story it would be. Because, and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, it would die down a little bit. And, and, and like what Krant said, you know, he said, you know, whoever shoots the first one probably won't get as much trouble because you'd have so much money you could pay off all your fines or whatever. But if you kill the second right. one, you will be breaking a serious law. So I think there's a few people, I don't know, like, I mean, I don't want to shoot one. That's, I'd hate to do that. I, you know, if I found a dead one while hiking or whatever and tried to bring that back, then okay. But I would not want to shoot. I don't think, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I, 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 I don't think I could live with myself if I did that. Yeah. Especially if it yeah, was I, I'm with you on that. I mean, I, I let spiders outside. I carry them outside and let them go. You know, I can't. I have a real hard yeah. time with that, but unfortunately, it's either going to take a a body, someone killing one, right. or like you said, finding uh, yep. a body or parts thereof. But um, right. Well, I, mean, I just Thomas, I think, think that people, if if they do um, prove it exists, you know, scientifically, you, you just you just have to wonder how that people are going to react to it, knowing. Right. That those things are roaming around the woods. I mean, it's just exactly. And I had, and I mean, Thomas. I remember on a documentary, he said, "You know, it's not going to be one of us that finds it. It's going to be some young scientist or whatever that finds a bone in a drawer or something like that." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, that would just piss me off." I, I said, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't. It's right. going to be some researcher in the bush that's going to be found by some anthropology student who came across. <laughs> Some dust-covered box or drawer in a museum somewhere, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I'd go, oh, man, that would just – like, I mean, it's just – I mean, I, I, there, you know, like, there's a lot of people that say, oh, I don't want it to be solved. I don't want it to whatever. I mean, yeah, okay, there's – you know, that's fine and dandy, but there's a lot of people that have been doing this all their lives, and I think we'd rather have it be discovered and found, and we can move on to the next step. You know, because other people have other interests, you know, and, uh, you know, like, look at Peter Byrne. Like, he thought, I mean, he 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 had so many expeditions and whatever and nothing. And, and yeah. I don't know what he thinks about it now. Like, I know he's not as active as he used to be, for goodness sakes. He's 96. I mean, you know, give the guy a, a retirement party already, but... He, God bless him, you know, I see it. He still goes out and about his local area, whatever. I see old, I see newer news things on YouTube. He's still out and about. God bless him for doing that. If he's the one that ends up, finds it and ends it, I'd be like, well, that's the person who should be credited with that. Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, I think it's going to, it'll happen at the most randomest time and it'll, and it'll be a hoopla and then all of a sudden it'll die down. I do remember having a conversation the very first time I met my girlfriend's parents and I said there's going to be two groups of people that are going to be impacted if the Sasquatch is ever discovered number one the forest industry because you're going to have so many people or things areas protected and that'll just kill the forestry industry in some areas number two the national parks people because there'll be some people that will not want to be going camping or going doing anything knowing that those things are around not that they're dangerous mm-hmm. animals by any means, because if they were more dangerous, threatening animals, we'd find them already, because we'd find them, you know, killing people or whatever, you know. That's the two that I think will really be impacted, the forest industry and the national park system. Right. That's just my thing. Right, and I mean, I we think. already know that there's bear, or there's cougar, or there's, you yeah. know, things that can kill you. But with the Sasquatch enigma, we're talking about a creature if it is proven to to be real, a creature that has managed to avoid being um, scientifically verified for all of these years, which means it's right. very intelligent, maybe more intelligent right. than us. Which I think is a possibility. It, it would yeah. have to be, because yeah, in some ways, because how did it stay away from us for right. so long? It knows, it knows what man... Oh, oh, hell, it's easier to avoid people today in the wilderness areas than it was 150 years ago. Right. Yeah, I mean, we don't have large groups of mountain men making a living off the land. We don't have whole communities of First Nation moving from point A to point B. 
like right. we did in the past, you know. Yeah. Uh, most of the people, their idea of camping is 30 feet off a paved road in a public campground. Exactly. <laughs> it's, so, it's, much yeah, easier, I mean, <laughs> it's much easier to yeah. avoid people in wilderness areas than it was 150 years ago. And in British Columbia and Western Alberta, too, I mean, it, it a lot of people say there are spots that no one has ever stood on before. Well, that, I guess that technically that's true, but I think a more accurate description would be if you're standing on that ridge on that mountainside, you may be the first person to be there in the last 10 years, and there may be not be somebody there in another 15. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I, I personally I'm kind of in the camp. Like, you know, I, I hope it does get discovered because then, you know, I could go to every bully that ever bullied me in school, and I can do a <laughs> one-finger salute and go, just like Ricky and Julian from Trailer Park Boys, I told you so. I told you told so. You so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, a, you know, that's exactly what I would do. So, I think the most oh, frustrating would, would, be, would be the scientific community, I'm sure, would probably say, oh, we kind of believe they were there all along. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then we'd all yeah. turn and go, no, you didn't. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also, um, and I know I've said this before on the show probably several times, but I have friends who literally have PTSD from what they experienced out there. Oh, yeah. And it would be nice for them to be justified. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I've never seen one. I've never whatever. But I have heard that it's, it's, you know, depending on what type of encounter it is, it can leave you mm-hmm. pretty shaken up. And, you know, I say to my buddies, oh, yeah, if I saw one, oh, yeah, I'd get footage of it or blah, blah, I'm sure in reality if I saw one in a few distance, I would have already exited my bowels five times before my feet started moving. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> the people you know, I, I know personally who – believe that they've actually had that encounter and that, um, you know, some of them described down to the teeth, you know, that's how close they were. Right. Um, it, it's not, it's not something they wanted and it's not something they want ever no. again. Cool. I, I've heard of that before. And, yeah, you know, and like something that 90% of the population tells you isn't there. Yeah. Right. It, has it, it almost makes you feel like they've gone mad, you know, because it's not supposed to exist. Mm-hmm. Everything right. in science tells you, no, 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 no. But there they are, and then that's got to play uh, havoc on your mind. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And, you know, it's, I mean, look what happened to Albert Osman. I mean, if, I mean, I know we can't really figure out if it's 100% true, because that was so long ago, and he's no longer with us, but if that happened in today's world, oh, think Lord. of how shaken up that person would be, you know. But, um, no, I, I, I hope one day it's proven to be real and we all, the people like Thomas and like Peter Byrne that have been literally looking for this thing forever are able to go and say to people, there, I told you, done, huh. <laughs> you know. And then to be great for the people that are no longer with us, like Renee, like John Green, like oh yeah, the Hendon, all the especially I would love for him to have yeah. Um, yeah. been right the whole time. That that, so. it, it's a shame that never happened when they were alive, but you know that's what happens in life, right? So if 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 I'm able to just have a small impact on this, if I have to do this for as long as Thomas has or longer, then and that's fine with me. You know, if I'm able to, awesome. you know, impact it by writing a book or, you know, contributing by maybe having a Patterson-like footage done, that's like that's what I would like to have as a Patterson-like experience. But then again, I know what happened to Patterson after the fact. I don't want that, uh, yeah. but I'd like to have, you know, a sighting like that where I have good, clear footage, even though I know that's not going to prove it. Um, but at least that would satisfy me anyways, so I can go, okay, I had my, this is what I wanted. I can, I know they're real and I could retire. Cause I told my girlfriend, if I had a Patterson like footage, I'd retire. I don't need to prove to myself anymore that it's real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd see it. Well, like, it sounds like all, you're all the... good path, Cameron, with, uh, what you're doing. I'm, uh, it sounds wonderful. I'm, I'm glad that there's people still interested in, 
doing it the way that you're doing it, you know, by leaving the flyers and the cards and, yep. you know, that's old school stuff right there. And I just it is. love I, that. I'm, I am an old school researcher. I'm not, I mean, yeah, I have a Facebook page or whatever, but to be honest, it hasn't gone, you know, it's great that people post stuff on it, but originally the idea of buying creating is like if people had a sighting or whatever, post it here, you know, but it hasn't quite worked out that way. Right. Um, but I mean, it has been fairly good. I've only had one issue with it. Um, but uh, other than that, I mean, it's fine if people are posting their other Sasquatch-related material on there. That's not a problem. But originally, I made it so that people could post their sighting or pictures or whatever on there. But that's fine. It's right. it's, it's doing its job. So. Um, well, Cameron, yeah, if no, there's I, people that are listening that are actually up in your area, how can they contact you if they wanted to get a hold of you? Okay, well, I got my business cards right here, so they can uh, reach out to me either by my Facebook page, which is Cameron Young Sasquatch Research Group page. Just type that in, and it should pop up, or you can email me. It's all lowercase letters, uh, cam.young82, the number's 8n2 at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, that's that would be the best way to, to reach me for legitimate Sasquatch inquiries yeah. or sightings. <laughs> Sweet. So, I do. I well, do have a phone awesome. number on my business card, but uh, um, it, it's uh, it's best to probably reach out to me through message, Facebook, or email. Wow. Okay. Cool. Thomas, we're getting down to the wire here. We just got a couple minutes left. Um, is there anything you wanted to end with? On uh, this has been a great interview, Cameron, and and I appreciate you, Thomas. Is there anything you want to throw in the mix? Just want to thank Cameron for agreeing to come on the show, and it's nice to know that there are still some young guys coming into this with a common sense, zoological approach. And like Absolutely. I said, Cameron, I've always said, stick to the facts and never deviate from the facts, right. and don't ever be seduced by the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, I, I have uh, I have a pepper spray for people like Matthew Johnson and stuff like that, so it's all good. <laughs> I love it. Well, I'll tell you what, it's been a great show, Cameron. I appreciate you. Thank you very much. Be back on much, in the coming I'll, months. I'll keep you updated. Yeah, I'll keep yeah, you updated. Keep us updated on, on, on your interview this Sunday. So. Yeah, yeah, will do for sure. All right. And, Thomas, it's been a heck of a show again, and I uh, really appreciate you uh, suggesting Cameron come on. You, That was a great call. So. Well, Roger, and to everybody. Next month. <laughs> Go ahead, Thomas. I said, Roger that, Julie. It was great, and uh, I'll talk to you again in September show. Yep, September show. So thank you all for listening, and uh, you know, if you have a sighting or want some more information about what's going on up there with Cameron. Or Thomas, you know, reach out to them. They're always willing to talk. So thank you all for listening. Until we meet again, keep it squatchy.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.